coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Is, is the microphone still working? Jesus knew he was coming to the people, so he put some care and some thought into what he was going to do and go to the people, not just expect the people to come to him. Let's get into the word. Uh, Today's message will come from the gospel according to Mark, the 11th chapter. I'll be reading the first through uh, the 11th verse. Again, that is Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version of God's word. Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, church. O Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. We thank you for the opportunity to gather once again in your name, Lord God. Lord God, uh, we come before you as humbly as we know how, asking for your will to be done in this word. Um, Let every word that I think and thought, every word that I speak and thought that I think be acceptable in your sight. Lord God, hide me behind your cross. Point the people to Jesus. Lord God, forgive us for any sins we've committed by word, thought, or deed against your divine majesty. And help us to remember anybody that we need to forgive right now in the name of Jesus so that we can be quick to forgive. Lord God, help us not to yield to temptation. Continue to deliver us from the evil one, for you are the king of glory. You are the Lord strong and mighty. You are the Lord mighty in battle. And there is none like you in all the earth. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, for the time that we get to share together today, I would like to talk a little bit about how a true king acts. How a true king acts. Uh, something I find myself doing is paying attention to new leadership. Paying attention to what happens when new leaders start to operate. Uh, where there's a new country president or a mayor or a new city council or governor or county judge. I look at fraternities and sororities and, and social clubs when they get uh, new presidents. I watch to see how they operate to see if I can uh, get any leadership lessons from them. What plans and programs are they going to put into place? Who are they going to reach out to? Who aren't they going to reach out to? Uh, what problem will they work to solve first? How will they come into this new era of leadership? I think we all have a bit of curiosity around new leadership, even if it's not for leadership lessons. We all want to see how new leaders are going to act or how leaders act in new situations. Uh, what kind of hope and change are they going to bring about? I imagine that is why people watch inaugurations, even if they didn't vote for that particular president. When there's a new pastor that comes to a church, the business meetings and the Bible studies are packed. When there's a new building that's going to open up, uh, there's strong attendance. Uh, when there's a new city council in place, uh, the city council meetings are standing room only at the beginning of the new administration. Everybody is willing to see how the new people are going to work. It's a natural curiosity, I would argue, that we all have. Uh, we see uh, a new leader coming into their own in this scripture passage. The gospel, according to Mark, uh, is the oldest of all the four gospels. And interestingly enough, it's the shortest. Uh, I learned that uh, the gospel, according to Mark, is supposed to be read uh, out loud. It was written to be read in the assembly of all the believers together at one time. And I wonder, is that why it's the shortest of all the gospels? Um, this Palm Sunday passage is a passage, a story that is found in all four of the gospels. Uh, each gospel emphasizes certain things over the others. But in all of the stories, Jesus and the disciples are coming to Jerusalem for Passover. I'll say that again. Jesus and the disciples are coming into Jerusalem for Passover. Uh, if I was a Bible scholar, and I guess I am of sorts, I would talk about the fact that Jesus went to church. Jesus did a whole lot of stuff out of the church, but Jesus also went to church. Uh, we're looking in Mark right now, but if we were to look in the gospel according to Luke, there are times it says that Jesus went to uh, the temple as it was his custom. It's not either or, 
It's both and. But this Palm Sunday passage is found in all of the, uh, the Gospels. And Jesus and the disciples are coming to Jerusalem because we are coming up on Passover. The historian Josephus says that many people would come to pass to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. It was almost like a conference that was going on. So many people were coming and so many people would come to Jerusalem for Passover that Jerusalem could not hold all the people. So they had to stay in some of the surrounding areas like Bethany and, and Bethpage. And we don't know exactly where Bethpage was, but we do know that Bethany was about two miles southeast of Jerusalem and that the Mount of Olives was east of Jerusalem. So some of the people that had to come in to Jerusalem for Passover and couldn't stay in Jerusalem would go walk a couple miles here and there to some of the surrounding areas in order to do that. We uh, find them in this gospel story during that time. Uh, we are drawing near to the end of the gospel story, but there is still a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Jesus is coming to announce himself as the Messiah. He is coming to announce himself as the Savior who takes away the sin from the world. He, he's been quiet up until now, but now he is showing up and letting everybody know I'm here. This Palm Sunday story uh, takes place at the height of oppression for the people of God. By the time we get to the passage that we've read uh, in the timeline, in the history of Rome, there have been several Jewish people who have tried to save the people of God from Roman oppression. By the time we get to this passage, the people are looking for a savior, practically begging for one. Hosanna literally means save now or save I beg. Have you ever been so down and out that you didn't care where your help was coming from? Have you ever been so down and out in a situation where you didn't care who was coming? You had to shout out to somebody like you have never shouted before looking for help. This Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, I beg. We look at it as, a, as, a, as a, something that is triumphant because we know what's going on at the end. But when we look at it from where the people are, they are begging for for help. They don't care where they got it from. Many have tried before Jesus to save the people of God, but the way that they had tried to save the Jewish people during that time was to go to war. Romans had oppressed and colonized all of the surrounding areas, and these people did what they thought was right to fight. Uh, and they would go to war with the Romans. The problem is, though, when you try to go to war with the Romans who have been conquering all of these areas and building up their army, you lose. There were plenty of people that claimed to be the Messiah before Jesus, but the people were never saved. Judas Maccabeus is one of them that comes to mind. Uh, he tried to overthrow uh, the Roman governors with, with, uh, with military might, and he succeeded for about two days. And then the Romans called in more backup and overthrew him. But when Judas Maccabeus uh, 
came. He was one of those big old $5 words that I learned in seminary called a messianic claimant. Uh, he claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the savior of the people. And he, and, and he came into Jerusalem just like Jesus did later on. And they, they yelled out, Hosanna, Hosanna for him. However, they all failed. The previous people uh, came and were messianic claimants, uh, but they were looking to be militaristic saviors. Jesus sought to save the people's souls. Jesus sought to save the people's souls, and he put care into his entry. Jesus thought about what he was going to do before he did it. And Jesus knew what was going to happen before he did it. Uh, Jesus considered where he was going. He considered who he was going to, and he put some care into how he was going to go to the people. I'm going to say that again. Jesus knew he was coming to save the people. So he thought about what he was going to do before he did it. Jesus considered where he was going. He considered who he was going to, and he put some care into how he was going to go to the people. Oh, how I wish the church would put some care into thinking about how they're going to go to the people. Think about putting some effort into how they could reach out into the community instead of always expecting the community to come to them. Can can I push it? I, I think I can and I think I will. We as a church should be thinking about marketing. We should be willing to invest in letting people know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When it's time to buy a car, whatever car you bought, I guarantee that company put some time and some effort and some talent and some treasure into getting that car into your mind. They didn't just say, oh, we make X, Y, Z number of cars. People should know where we're at and they're going to come to us. No, they went out and told people about these cars where you shop for your groceries. I'm positive they have a marketing budget and they are trying to get those grocery stores in front of your face. Uh, I'm quite sure Facebook and Amazon and Apple and Google are always willing and iPhone and Android. We are evangelists for everything except Jesus Christ. When there is a good restaurant that you've gone to, nobody has to force you to tell somebody about it. You'll tell everybody, hey, have you been to the new restaurant? Oh, it's great. Uh, I can go on Facebook right now. It's crawfish season. People are asking where the best crawfish at. Is, Is the microphone still working? Jesus knew he was coming to the people, so he put some care and some thought into what he was going to do and go to the people, not just expect the people 
to come to him. Jesus started from the Mount of Olives before he came in to Jerusalem. Zechariah 14 prophesied that the Messiah was going to come in from there. Jesus told the disciples to go to Bethany and get a colt, a young donkey that had never been worn because he knew, or written rather, because he knew that it would be there. And when we look at Old Testament kings, over and over again, the Old Testament kings rode donkeys into the city to announce their presence and their victory. They rode on donkeys during peacetime. So he was saying that I'm going to ride on a donkey because I'm a king. There's some, there, there some things like that, and, and, he, and, and he expected the people to exercise faith. Taking a donkey during that time would have been like taking a car today. Uh, but he put some care into it. Watch the text. Jesus said, if anybody asks, what are you doing? Tell them the Lord needs it. Watch the text here because there's something special about that. Jesus had not been called Lord yet uh, in this way until now. Matter of fact, it was scandalous to refer to Jesus as Lord because the people would have been already hearing that the Lord uh, would, be a, would have been talking about Caesar. That's why Paul said, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, he was letting them know that there was people out there worshiping the government, worshiping the oppressors, worshiping the powers that be. But he's saying, nah, 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 nah. We got a new Lord that is coming. So it was scandalous because when the people would have been talking about the Lord, then they would have been thinking it was Caesar, not the man from Galilee. And then he took, he had the people take the cult. Uh, Romans all the time would take people's transportation and they would take people. And you might not see that transportation or that person that was taken ever again. They would commandeer your stuff because they could. But here, when Jesus takes something, he's going to return it. A true, it's, it's in the text. It, it says, untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you in verse 3, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. A good king, a good ruler doesn't just take and take and take. They give as well. If you are following somebody that all they ever do is take, that's not a good leader. There was thought about this. Not only was that going on, but up until now, Jesus had been operating in secret. He'd heal somebody and say, shh, don't tell nobody. He'd, he'd raise the dead and Tell him to keep it a secret. He'd open up blinded eyes. Tell him to keep it a secret. He'd feed the people and tell them to keep it a secret. But now he's coming into Jer Jerusalem with fanfare. Uh, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, still on looking at the care and the thought that was put in, the people put out their coats before their king. 
They put out their coats. They took off their outer coats and laid them down because that's also what they did in 2 Kings 9. We call this particular Sunday Palm Sunday, but the coats and the donkey have biblical significance, and I would say even more significance than the palms. Because uh, the text doesn't even say palm in all the gospels. Some of them say branches like it does in the gospel according to Mark. Jesus put care into letting the people know that your Savior has arrived. Jesus was letting the people know that a true king has come, a true savior has come, and not for a militaristic victory, but a spiritual victory for our souls over all of creation. Jesus is here to set the world right with a new world order, and he came to do that during the Passover a time when the Jewish people were celebrating being delivered out of Egypt. They were celebrating being delivered from bondage. They were celebrating being delivered from oppression. And Jesus is here to let them know that a new savior is coming and is coming to save you from the bondage of sin and death. Oh, how much farther we could be along if we were to look and act like a true leader looked and act. If we were to follow the Lord Jesus Christ instead of trying to say that the Lord Jesus Christ anointed some people and that they're the God-given leaders. Oh, how much further we could be if we could just put our hope in Jesus on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Oh, if we could put our trust in the Lord and not in other people. We can look at how a true king acts. We can look at how a real ruler carries themselves. Jesus came into Jerusalem this time to willingly give himself for us because we are a royal priesthood we are a chosen generation. Yes. Jesus knew what was going to happen when he came into Jerusalem, but he came anyway. Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed, but he came anyway. Jesus knew that the disciples would flee and Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed, but he came Anyway, Jesus knew that the people would choose another criminal over him to go free, but he came to Jerusalem anyway. Jesus knew that he would be beaten, but he came to Jerusalem anyway. He knew that he was going to be bloodied, but he came to Jerusalem anyway. He knew that he was going to be bruised, but he came to Jerusalem anyway. He knew that he was going to have to give himself up and die for us, but he came to Jerusalem anyway. Jesus knew what he had to do and he knew who he had to do it for and he came into town with his hell, head, his head held high to see the temple and save the people. He knew what was going on but he came into Jerusalem anyway. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for a model of, of good leadership in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he willingly gave himself up for us. Lord God, we ask that if anyone that hears, hears this message that, no, that does not know Jesus and the pardon of their sins, that they will want to get to know him. They will want to come like Nicodemus did in John 3 and ask, what must I do to become saved? We ask that this message be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simpson Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.